there's like a website that used to be up that was since has since been taken down that like index the energy use or electricity use, I, I guess I should say, of like specific NFTs. And one of the ones that they have like an index for is the Space Cat GIF. And it says that like um, Space Cat's carbon footprint is equivalent to an EU resident's electricity usage for two months. Okay, that might be yeah. a lot. Start your observability journey today with Splunk Observability Cloud. Get full fidelity end-to-end visibility into your entire operation. Whether on-prem or in the cloud, it's powered by OpenTelemetry, so you can take your data anywhere. Head on over to splk.it slash sopodcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Stack Overflow podcast, a place to talk about all things software and technology. I am Ben Popper, the Director of Content here at Stack Overflow, and I am joined today by my three co-hosts, Cassie Williams, Ciro Fort, and Ryan Donovan. Hey, y'all. Hey. So just to get out of the way, not to pat ourselves on the back, but we have sold over 5,000 units of The Key. So huge shout out to everybody who bought one and helps us support Digital Undivided. And huge shout out to Cassidy, who helped us design the key and make, bring it to life by connecting us with Drop. It's very, yeah. very exciting to see it come to life. And so many people are so excited about it. Like, I knew people were excited when it was April Fool's Day. Right. But right. I'm glad <laughs> that the excitement continued. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm glad that it wasn't just a comment saying they buy it. They actually stepped up to the plate. The price was right. 29 bucks. Not bad. I did see one or two, you know, those hilarious comments that are like, I don't understand how this is useful at all at this price. Oh, like, yeah. I, could, I could just build an entire keyboard. What do I, it's like, okay. <laughs> I got a couple emails Not like for that. You. And I was like, yeah. you calm down. <laughs> but yeah, keep an eye out. There's been some requests for cooler features. So Drop is hard at work on figuring out what they can do for the next manufacturing run. So keep an eye out for that. So Sierra, you brought a great topic, which I have a strong opinion on. Maybe I'll be the contrarian about what is the environmental impact of NFTs, non-fungible tokens, which is when people use the blockchain to mint something, a GIF, a song, a a JPEG, and then you can sort of track the ownership. It's a one of or a run of a hundred or whatever. So tell us a little bit about this story you brought and yeah, sort of where you sit on this. I'm not sure if I have like an official opinion. Like obviously I pride myself on being a person who cares about the environment and I try to like do things that are environmentally friendly so the planet doesn't die, all that kind of stuff. And I think on Twitter recently, a lot of people have been talking about NFTs and crypto and blockchain and like all that kind of stuff recently. And one of the things that came up was the environmental impact of crypto, specifically Ethereum and then NFTs. And I didn't know about this factor of like the whole blockchain craze. I never even knew that like there was any kind of energy, anything going on with it. But someone shared this article with me on Twitter when they brought it to my attention that like these things can tend to be not very environmentally friendly, especially when it comes to like energy emissions and things like that. I wanted to discuss that today to hear everyone's opinion on like what they think about this climate impact that blockchain has. And like, should this impact how we use blockchain? Should we just stray away from it and like everything that has to do with blockchain and NFTs and all that kind of stuff. I think sometimes we tend to get overly excited about like new technologies or Mm -hmm. anything that's new without factoring in the 
also sometimes negative impacts of whatever the thing is. So I feel like something very similar happened with AI and machine learning. We got super, super excited about it without doing any planning or analysis of the effects that AI could have on our world. And now we're dealing with the repercussions with like gender bias, racial bias, Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. And I don't want something similar to happen with blockchain because it seems like people are so excited, but we also need to like factor in some of the not so great impacts of like using this kind of technology. So yeah, I want to hear everyone's thoughts here today. Yeah. I mean, I think every technology ultimately uses electricity. And I heard, uh, I read an article a while back that blockchain and crypto mining, if it was a country, it would be the 40th in electricity use. And it was particularly dirty electricity because at the time it was mostly mined in China. They've since completely stopped doing yeah. that, which yeah. is a whole nother <laughs> bundle of wax. Yeah. Uh, but, but part of the reason they did is because they're, uh, yeah, they're a centrally planned economy. The government can like decide unilaterally what to do. And, and they said, this is not part of our green goals. Also, you know, I think there's concerns about, yeah, cryptocurrency sort of decentralizing, obviously, authority or control over finance. So they shut all of that down. But I guess, yeah, sort of to Ryan's point, and Cassie, I'd be curious to hear, it's like, what if we added up all the PCs and consoles that people play video games with every day? Would that be the 50th country, the 30th country? Like, and is that useful? Should we be playing video games? Like, I think it's interesting because like people treat this like an industry and then they're like, okay, if you took this as an industry, how much electricity is it using? But there's millions of things that I'm doing all day, every day with gadgets and computing resources that are not like good for society (laughs) that, you know, probably are burning up a lot of energy. And I often, yeah, don't know where that energy comes from. So I guess sometimes I feel like this is a way to like pick on, you know, a nascent sort of growing industry. And it doesn't put it in the context of like, we don't evaluate somebody using a hot tub or playing PC games all day in terms of the energy they're consuming. Right. So like, why should we evaluate them that way if they want to make digital art? Hmm, I don't know how I feel about that. Then. <laughs> I know the the article that I read referenced like a specific NFT. Let me see if I can actually find it. Like there's like a website that w- used to be up that was since has since been taken down that like index the energy like use or electricity use, I, I guess I should say of like specific NFTs. And one of the ones that they have like an index for is the space cat GIF. And it says that like Space Cat's carbon footprint is equivalent to an EU resident's electricity usage for two months. So I think that is kind of like, okay, that might be yeah. a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right, right. Yeah. obviously, we can't help but use electricity and we can't help but pollute the earth to a certain degree. But if it's something that eats up a lot of energy and causes a lot. I I don't want to say unnecessarily, but like we don't need NFTs, right? Like we don't have to be doing this. Hey now, hey now. I was about to say that could be a whole nother conversation, but it is something to think about, I think. Along with like other issues, I guess people have brought up, but this is like something I've been thinking about a lot lately, especially since I think, especially in the United States, we're seeing a lot of repercussions to like climate change and like Mm -hmm. flooding Mm -hmm. and wildfires and things like that. So I think about these things a lot more now, but also to your point, Ben, like have we ever had conversations about how, like even in the tech industry as a whole, how much energy we're using and like, you know what I mean? So yeah, I guess it is something to think about too. I think too, like we use a lot of energy, but 
the prices for all of these things that we use as a tech industry, as gamers, as as all of these things are going up because of this thing that we don't fully understand. And so I'll use graphics cards as an example. Like Mm -hmm. graphics cards prices have skyrocketed and availability has gone completely down because of the crypto and NFT space. And so not only is it just really, really heavy on the environment, but there's so many people I know who want to build PCs or who want to upgrade their systems and stuff like that who can't because they both can't afford it and can't find some of the parts that they need because of this space. Totally. Wow. I do think it's particularly galling, kind of, Sarah, as you were saying, because it's like it took two months of the average citizen's electricity to make this 15-pixel JPEG. Like, that is, like, what really eats people up in the end, right? right? It's like it doesn't even have to. It's just that you're going through this, like, proof of work. And so I know Ethereum has discussed moving towards proof of stake, Mm -hmm. which is different. So instead of like forcing computers to do these really intensive, energy intensive calculations, you'd move to a different system where people can earn money by like showing that they have staked something on the blockchain. And this is like an idea they have for taking Ethereum in a more green direction, which is good, or at least like it would be interesting to see where they go. And and one nice thing, I guess, about some of these crypto and blockchain projects is that, you know, they're, they're decentralized, they're open source. They're decentralized in a way that's a little different than open source, right? Like they're Quote controlled unquote, by open source. They're yeah, like you could look yeah. at it, but the governance of it is distributed and open. And so, like it's you know, groups of people who are interested in this technology are going to get to decide on its future, and they are considering its environmental impact. And then also, like there have been like Gemini, which is owned by the Winklevoss twins, and they own Nifty Gateway, which is one of the big um, NFT auction houses. You know, they basically said like we want to get out ahead of this. We're going to pledge, you know, this much to green causes and reforestation and make sure that we like balance out our carbon footprint. Like whatever we do in terms of energy consumption, we're going to try to like sort of balance the ledger. So that's what we need every company to be doing, you know, especially like, you know, old line fossil fuel companies. So I think uh, a lot of people sort of rankle at at Bitcoin and uh, that sort of thing. It's like, we already have a pretty like energy efficient substitute for that, right? Like cash, and credit cards and checks, like it doesn't burn up all that much energy. On the other hand, you can't sort of secretly buy drugs with it or whatever else people use Bitcoin for. Is it 2012? Are you kidding me? This is your take on crypto? <laughs> yeah. Come on. Absolutely. Get out of here with this nonsense. Whatever. No, it's, it's, Get out of here. I don't know. It's uh, still treated as, as an asset tax-wise. Like it's not a currency. Well, I don't know. A lot more uh, large blue chip financial institutions are, are moving where the crypto industry goes these days than Silk Road. But yes, once upon a time, that was its main use. Well, all right. Since we're on this path, I'll just say (laughs) I had the thought the other day, like obviously, yeah, there's a lot of things I want to do to like try to combat climate change and move us in the right direction. But I also think like, Sierra, you were saying earlier, like we don't want to destroy the earth, you know, but I think sometimes people have like sort of almost like delusions of grandeur. Like we could really mess up the earth for us and like probably ruin human society and like, we could easily wipe ourselves out. The earth will be like just fine. Like in 10,000 years, like the earth will not remember that we were here. Yeah. And climate change activists aren't, aren't worried about the earth itself. Like they're worried about us well, on the earth. I know. I just mean, I think some people think like we're going to ruin the planet. I do think we're going to ruin it, but like the planet will outlive us. That just gives me, it makes me feel better. I, can't, I don't have the power to ruin the planet forever. <laughs> it's bigger than me. One thing I think about a lot too is like if you, pay attention like the earth heals itself right like a lot of things Mm -hmm. kind of recuperate over time so like you said like in the grand scheme of things the earth 
we'll be okay, we hope. And another <laughs> thing I think about too, which I think will tie everything together a little bit too, as far as like climate change goes, like I know you see commercials that are like, don't litter and like, make sure you don't do this and you don't do that as individuals. When like a lot of the reasons why there's so much pollution and the oceans are like polluted and everything like that is because of big corporations being irresponsible and nobody checking yeah. them. Like, so if we indexed how much pollution is like down to individual old me in Philadelphia, like littering, which I don't do, but if I did, it would not be as much as like, you know, these big companies that are just doing whatever they want without any repercussions. Sure. I think mm -hmm. with NFTs and like the crypto space where this could get tricky is that a lot of people are like being encouraged to jump in on it. Like, yeah, you should start like doing this whole mm -hmm. NFT thing without like really knowing the impact that they can have. So if we keep encouraging people without informing them of like, okay, at the same time, this is the kind of stuff that could happen as far as like energy emissions and things like that. We could see like a huge number of people getting involved and then having a huge effect on the climate as well. That's why I think like, I mentioned earlier, sometimes when a new technology comes out, we're like super, super excited, but we don't weigh all the costs, which I think is a conversation we should have. Like if you're going to talk about how great and exciting this new thing is, I see people making threads on Twitter and they're only saying all the good things about blockchain and about mm. crypto and about NFTs. Like we also need to factor in these things that aren't so great as well. So you can make an informed decision. You know what I mean? So, and then like to another extent, like, you can't know every positive and negative impact of every single thing that you get involved with, but I do think it's something worth exploring. I went to a wedding this past weekend and there was a guy there who owned a ton of NFTs. Like this, this was his <laughs> hobby. And okay. what was interesting is all of his NFTs that he had were AR NFTs. And so he was just like, look, Spider-Man is dancing around on my phone and stuff like that. And that part was pretty neat. It was neat to see Spider-Man jumping specifically on our table and stuff like that. <laughs> but what I don't understand are the static image NFTs, like the JPEGs and stuff, because yeah. we could get deep into it, but I could screenshot that. Right. And I, yeah. I saw an article recently where someone got an NFT of this piece of art and they were super excited about it and they made a print for their office. And the artist ended up like saying, hey, you don't have the right to do that. And they're like, but I have the NFT. Right. I own this. And they're like, no, no, no. You have the ownership of the digital version, not any physical versions. And that that like broke my brain a little bit. Okay. But I have the, I think I have the sort of like corollary to that, which is like, I could go out and have a incredibly detailed and beautiful print of the Mona Lisa made. And I could put it in a, in a frame that looks like the frame in the Louvre and I could hang it in my house. And so then I would have a copy that nobody could tell the difference if I put them side by side. On the other hand, it's not the Mona Lisa, and so it's not worth anything. And like, there's this amazing Orson Welles movie called F for Fake and, and several other documentaries. But like, the amount of like fine art that's hanging in museums that's actually fake is staggeringly high. Like, oh. <laughs> could, could be upwards of 50% like of art that hangs on the wall that is priceless is, you know, a copy of the art or, you know, somebody else has the original. So yeah, and sometimes it's a museum copy because the original yeah. is being restored. Right, exactly. And so like, it breaks your brain because like, money is only worth anything because we mm -hmm. say it is, you know, like, none of this stuff is worth anything, except as firewood in certain situations. So like, you own the digital copy, anybody can make a copy, but nobody else can sell it on the blockchain, but you therefore, you own the value of it, right? It's also kind of a, a greenfield speculators market. Like people are buying it for its future value. 
And like, you know, as a comic book buyer of the 90s, speculation has ruined markets. Anything where you're buying <laughs> buying a thing for yeah. its own sake, like then it gets ruined by everybody kind of going for that greater value, that kind of speculators market, you know, and then speculators are, are kind of playing on, it's called the uh, the greater fool theory. They're waiting for a greater fool to buy it at a higher price. And then somebody gets stuck holding the bag. I guess I'm, I'm looking for an argument as to why owning the NFT itself is worth anything. I don't know, because I really am a newbie to this whole space. But from what I've heard, it seems like people don't really care about ownership when it comes to NFTs. Because if they did, I don't think you would do NFTs. <laughs> I think that they really care about the value, like the ability to to resell for a higher price. Like they're trying to make a profit. That's what I think the real point of it is. Because if I really wanted to own a digital asset, I don't think I would do an F- NFT just because like Cassidy mentioned, you don't truly have ownership in the full sense of the word, right? But if I really like bought this asset because I want to resell it in the future because this GIF or this image, this meme might be worth more in the future, then it makes sense to me, right? Like then it's like, okay, I get why people are doing this because they want to make money. That's the only way it makes sense in my head. I mean, when you buy the NFT, you don't own the copyright. And it's the same if you buy a poster or or painting. I guess the other thing, yeah, Cassie, that I do like about them is like, it's cool to be able to give digital artists and musicians like a new form of ownership and a way to transact in this stuff. And the thing that I like get really excited about, which I don't even really know if it's happening is like somebody buys the rights to a song or a a beat or a, a piece of digital art. And then every time it gets sold after that, the original creator gets paid, which is really cool because there's always been these things on the internet where it's like, I made this meme or I made this, you know, dance move or I made this thing. And then it got taken up and became huge and all these other people made money off of it. And the original creator made nothing. So in that sense, like if it could bring sort of modernize the practice of like copyright and publishing, you know, fees and stuff, that would be kind of cool. I don't actually know if that's how it's working. And definitely the crypto market now is just like a super frothy bubble of speculation that is probably not always great for artists and going to get a lot of people burnt at some point. But Well, I know a lot of artists are catching like a lot of flack now because of this, because of the environmental impact of NFTs. So like if you want to do if you're an artist who wants to deal in NFTs, like if you say that on Twitter or on Instagram, people will get upset with you. Because of yeah. like the climate impact that this has. So it kind of is like, in theory, it's supposed to like be a way for artists to make more money and to like, you know, be more profitable. But now <laughs> they're getting like a lot of backlash for it. So I don't know if it's like really doing <laughs> what they intended to do. Or like if you're an artist, you're going to be like, oh, I'm not telling anyone that I do like NFTs. Mm-hmm. Nobody needs to know that. <laughs> I don't think we should be artist shaming because like you said, 75% of the carbon emissions come from 100 companies and like 200 right. factories. Like yeah. your personal yeah. impact is so irrelevant, you know? And that's the same thing with litter. Like, or like you can recycle fashion. or not recycle. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It makes no difference. Right. Like you have to be an activist, vote for the right people, get the right changes made. Not to say that you can't, you shouldn't vote with your wallet or your behavior, but like your personal impact on the climate is so infinitesimal that you should never feel guilty about it or like let people shame you. That is just placing the blame where it doesn't belong. All right, so let's jump into one more discussion while we have the whole crew here. Ryan, you want to tee this one up? You know, here at Stack Overflow, we are big fans of, of user-generated content. It's a hot thing for a lot of startups. It's an article I read that uh, was, you either die an MVP or live long enough to build content moderation. 
that mm. anybody trying to jump in the UGC bandwagon either fails or has to do content mod moderation at some point because somebody is going to try to do some dirt with your platform. Some of those words you said, I don't really know what they mean. <laughs> UGC, I don't think I've heard that before. User-generated content. Got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Everything's making sense now. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> it's interesting. Even like within the world of software development, it does come back to this in an interesting way. Like, for example, GitHub and some of the other platforms have gotten into these huge battles in China where people are trying to use GitHub repos to as like a platform for free speech and like keeping other stuff in there that has really nothing yeah. to do with code. So at some point... There's UGC and you've got to moderate it or like, you know, it would be fun to try to think of an example of like where this doesn't apply. But yeah, like as soon as you let somebody type a character, as soon as somebody can store, you know, a character somewhere, there's the potential yeah. for UGC and therefore the need for content moderation. If you oh, make yeah. user content, you will have people posting weird stuff. If you make user <laughs> interactions, you will have people harassing other people. It's yeah. just yeah. a rule. That's right. just how it's going to go. That's why like, I've heard this debate, or not. it's not really a debate, but people ask sometimes on Twitter, like, in the software development world, it's very common to have like your own blog where you post your own content. And people are like, oh, should I have comments? And I know for myself, <laughs> I will never have comments because I'm not nope. going to sit there and moderate them. Because right. I know people are going to be, there's going to be a bunch of well, actually, you know, there's going to be a, a bunch of reply guys and all kinds of other harassment <laughs> that I just don't feel like dealing with, you know? Yeah. That's something that you always have to factor in when it comes to like, oh, do I want to have a comment section or I want to allow people to like give feedback? Like, do you really want that? Are you right. sure yeah. about that? You know? <laughs> yeah, Ryan and I have a few open emails. One is for, we, we asked people to submit interesting questions and answers to us from Stack yeah. Overflow. Like, <laughs> and somehow when people are searching, it's just like, Help, I've been logged out of my machine. It's a Windows bubble. Like, can you, I need to get back in. Please send me the instructions right away. And we're just like, you become the universe's tech support. Right. You know, as soon as you yeah. put that out there. We're like, send us interesting questions. And they're like, what's well, a computer? Yeah. The other day, somebody emailed and they were like, I'm very angry. Like, I brought, I bought this snowblower from you and it's not working at all. Like, I need a refund. Like, Stack Overflow <laughs> needs to fix this immediately. And I was like, pretty sure you're thinking of overstock. Oh, no. A little different than st stack overflow. Or a stack lot overflow. different. If there is a comment section, it's actually funny. You guys remember Club Penguin? Do you remember that? It was like a Disney Heck social. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Even Club Penguin, which is like you hang out with other penguins, and I think they gave you like five total emotes that were like, hooray, smile, friend. Right. Yeah. Like even that eventually became like a, a vector for like horrible abuse. And no matter what it is, right. you know, it's. This reminds me of when we were talking about Yik Yak too. Like, oh yeah, that's kind of what happened there was that there was not enough moderation, and so things always take a turn for the worse when when that's the case. You know, it's like if you give people the choice to be mean or be nice, they're probably going to choose to be mean. <laughs> like, unless someone's there to tell them not to, you know what I mean. So if you don't have like the the staff or the bandwidth to like keep up with that kind of stuff it's just best not to allow people to express themselves i know that it sounds horrible but it's the truth that's even why like if i play video games and i'm not just playing with friends i will not have my microphone on yeah. people on yeah. the internet especially if they're hidden by some sort of anonymity a lot of people will take right. advantage what of about it. this what if the original sin was creating safe harbor and we had never done that and facebook and youtube and twitter and club penguin and activision were actually responsible. They were legally responsible if somebody harassed you or 
stole copyright or whatever. Nobody run a, would run a platform. But I don't know if that's true. If there was money to be made and you could scale it, maybe you would just make a little less money and scale it a little less fast. And would that be the worst thing ever? Like, If you had to cover every offense, only big players could do it. There'd be one or two platforms and they would allow almost nothing. Yeah. We don't know though. I always imagine maybe like if I were in an alternative universe, if I wanted to have like some sort of social media platform, I would think that I would want to have people who are employed to specifically moderate. Like that's your job is just to run through comments and things like that. But I feel like at a certain point that gets to be too much, like Mm -hmm. you're going to miss some things. And especially if you were like legally responsible for any kind of harassment that takes place, you're inevitably going to miss something. Like something is going to fall through the gaps and you're going to be responsible for that. So I kind of feel like nobody would want to do it. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like nobody would want to like have a platform like that because that would just be a lot. That would be a lot to take in and to have to, unless you like put a limit on how much people can post, like people have an unlimited amount of times that they can just say or do whatever they want. And you would have to like check them for that. I don't know. I can't imagine that working. <laughs> I've got it. All right. So how about this? First of all, yeah, I, I love the what if, because like we don't know, maybe the world's post 2000 would look different. There'd be like just AOL, or maybe there'd be like a smaller, safer Facebook and YouTube. But what if the person who posted was extremely responsible and liable financially, socially, et cetera? Yeah. Like what if there were more consequences, real and immediate consequences for the user, then would we have the better internet? I currently advise a company called Polywork, and they are trying to do some things that are making it like an alternative for LinkedIn, but you post things that are outside of just your job title, anything that you do. Right. And moderation has been a huge thing that we've talked about from the beginning, so before the site launched. And they kind of do that, Ben, where, where they're trying to figure out how can we put more of the responsibilities on the users. And for example, one of the rules that they have is if someone DMs multiple people and is harassing them and stuff, first of all, they have like an Insta block button. Like like you can block someone very, very easily, which is something that more networks should implement right away. Anyway, I have implemented (laughs) blocking twice at at different companies (laughs) that should have been done before. But anyway, if someone blocks you because you've been harassing them, above X number of times, you're automatically blocked from the website. And right. if you do any offsite harassment and enough people report it or there's evidence and stuff, they'll block you from the site. And so they're hoping that by blocking people from the site, that's punishment enough to hopefully prevent that. And right. it's interesting. I don't know if it will be enough, but it's it's a start, I think. I was just going to say, I've noticed something that's been happening more in recent times is when someone acts up on the internet And they think because it's the internet, there will be no consequences, even if they're like anonymous, meaning like their real name or their profile picture is not their actual face. People sometimes figure out like where they work, that kind of information, especially where they work. Mm -hmm. And they will like email their employer and like get them fired. So that's like one way that. So the the solution is doxing? I was going to say, that's like basically what's happening with a lot of people now is that like they're so afraid of like risking their whole career that they try to watch their mouth a little bit more, which is kind of like, because what are we getting doxxed for? Like, are we getting doxxed for standing up for like 
human rights, basic human rights, or mm-hmm. am I getting doxxed for harassing someone? It depends. Right. right. Maybe next time we can all bring our sort of like the exemplar that we would hold up in terms of like what is the best online community. Like this organization, they're actually making it work. Because like Stack Overflow is another great example. Like it's really hard to earn the privileges to comment or contribute or downvote. And so in that sense, like there is almost no like issues with misinformation um, like there are in other places or like casual, you know, like bullying, for example. But then eventually, you know, like becomes a place where only a few people have earned a ton of reputation and they become gatekeepers and it's hard to get in. And they may not know that what they think of as like policing the rules the right way to other people feels like being shut out or being, you know, like cruel. Ultimately, someone decides. Someone decides yeah. what's acceptable, and somebody has to hit the ban hammer. I will say, I will mention one thing really quickly that I just found out about on Twitter. Instagram has implemented a new feature where you can block someone's account and all the accounts that they create thereafter. Mm. So I think I've seen this on Twitter before, where like you'll block someone and they just create another account and harass you from that account. You block them right. again. I'm trying to figure out how they would exactly do this. I guess if the person uses like the same email, they could do right. that. Block but anyway, the sock puppets. Yeah, yeah, that's good. you can like block all the accounts. And I was like, that's a great feature to like really help right. quail. But then that person just signs up for like some crazy VPN. Yeah, I mean, like you know, they never, never <laughs> yeah. Stop. Uh, it, it really doesn't, but that's like a step in the right direction, I think. The solution is that we all go back to living in small tribes in isolated villages, and then you're ultimately responsible for all of your actions oh, to your cool. co- <laughs> cool. cohort. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Solved it. From the absolute best stack exchange, the workplace, <laughs> asked nine days ago, viewed 224,000 times, how do I ask for a demotion? I'm in a management role at a mid-sized company and hate it. My first three years of the company, I held a project manager role, which I really enjoyed. Nearly two years ago, I was promoted to the head of project management, managing 24 PMs. I am miserable and I want to go back. My reasons include blah, 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 blah. How do I broach this to my boss and get back to my old role? So fascinating question there uh, was, I thought actually a pretty reasonable answer. The advice, which I thought was very good from the top answer is, you need to find your replacement first, and right. then you can mm, ask to be demoted back to the it. position that you actually enjoyed. As long as you're not leaving a vacuum and creating a headache for your boss, yeah. you should certainly go back to doing what makes That's you a happy. very good point. Yeah, and not make what makes you miserable. All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening. I'm glad we saved the environment and fixed toxic interactions online. You're welcome, America. <laughs> we know everything. <laughs> I am Ben Popper. I'm the director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper or email us podcast at stackoverflow.com. If you like the show, leave a rating and a review. It really helps. And if you need more macro pad in your life, please go check out the key. You can still order it. It'll arrive in December and you'll be supporting. Oh, yes. You'll be supporting a great cause. Cassie's already got, she's the only one on the show who's got one. Very jolly. <laughs> I'm Ryan Donovan. I'm uh, editor at the of the blog at Stack Overflow. If you have a great blog idea, email me at pitches at stackoverflow.com. I'm Sierra Ford. I'm a developer advocate at Apollo GraphQL. You can mostly find me on Twitter at Ciorio. That's C-E. E-O-R-E-O <laughs> underscore on Twitter. I hope I got that right. I'll pass it on to you, Cassidy. <laughs> My name is Cassidy Williams. I'm Director of Developer Experience at Netlify. You can find me at Cassidy, C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O. Hopefully I spelled that right. Uh, <laughs> most thanks. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>